to removing the cape, the place where perfectionists remove our superhero capes and discuss what it's like to wear our various titles, hats, and masks. We can pick them up at the end of the show, but for now, let's all relax. Time to get into the show. Hey, superheroes, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, shout out to everybody who's saying that with me. Um, if you know, you know. Okay. I miss y'all. I really miss y'all. We had to take a long, long break, but not too long, right? There's a little break in between, you know, seasons, but we back y'all in this one. This episode is very fitting. If you've been listening to all of our previous episodes, you know that this one is a very fitting one. Now, the title might be a little deceptive, but if you've read the description, you're on point with me. Ty is not a therapist, even though the title is I am a therapist. But y'all know how we do our hair on the Removing the Cape. We talk to people who wear these different hats and titles in life. And today's episode is the most fitting one to come back to because a lot of what we promote here on this show is good mental health. So I am excited. I'm not going to bore you with a long opening, catching up, talking about things that are in the news and in pop culture We'll do that on the next show. Today, I want to get right into it because I have someone incredible to bring to all of us today, and I know it's going to be a great conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank you for joining the ride. Thank you for being back. Thank you for sticking with us through the break. I'm excited to have you back, and we have some great episodes coming up. So make sure your notifications are turned on each and every week. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. I love you, and I hope you love me back. Let's get into the show. Removing the cape, superheroes. Listen, I have a special guest with me today. Now, if you've been listening to any episode of this show, or if it's your first one, um, you should know that I am an advocate of mental health awareness and being someone that takes your mental health as important as physical health. I always tell people you have a primary care doctor, you have an OBGYN, you need a therapist. You need to make sure that in your list of doctors and healthcare professionals that help mental health is right on there in that list. So I am extremely excited that today we have a mental health expert on the line with us today, on the show with us. And I'm a little biased because she's a Seminole. So, I mean, you know, take me back to my undergraduate days. But let me give her a proper introduction and we'll get right into the show, into the interview. So, a New Orleans native, Dr. Lakeitha Poole opened her Baton Rouge-based private practice, small talk, counseling, and consulting in August 2015. Her calm demeanor, delicate and informative clinical approach, and engaging personality creates a safe environment for clients where trust and growth can develop. 
She is passionate about the work of mental health counseling and clinical research and views her role as a therapist as an opportunity to serve and empower others. A native of New Orleans, Louisiana, and graduate of Florida State University, Louisiana State University, and Regent University, Dr. Poole's research emphasis include mental health and wellness techniques, vulnerability, and resilience in domestic minority populations and family systems. Dr. Poole also serves as the Director of Student Athlete Mental Health in the Sports Psychology and Counseling Department for LSU Athletics. As a licensed professional counselor supervisor and board certified telemental health provider, she has served individuals, professional organizations, and athletic sport teams across the countries for the last eight years. Her practice is built upon professionalism, authenticity, and personalized care. In her free time, she enjoys taking trips home to New Orleans to visit family and attend festivals, traveling, reading, and studying interior design. Superheroes, help me welcome Dr. Lakeitha Poole to the show. You know how we do. We clap if we're in the office, on the subway, in the car, in the gym. We clap. We'll add some applause here. But welcome to the show, friends. Thanks, Ty. Hey, Seminole. Hey. We are biased. We are biased. So yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I am extremely excited to have you on the show. I um, one of the first things that I just want to dive right into. As someone who is not a um, a therapist, I have seen just from an outsider's perspective a spike in the last couple of years where you know it's becoming okay to seek therapy or talk about you're in therapy. Um, have you seen that as a professional? from a professional standpoint, where it's kind of a change in culture, where it's no longer something that, okay, you're crazy if you go to a therapist. How has how have you seen a, a change in culture as it relates to therapy? Yes. Yeah, so I absolutely think um, we're seeing a ton of growth exponentially in people seeking services. I think that one of the ways um, you notice this change is there's so much less stigma now. So the fact that we're even doing mm. you know an episode about this and so many people are interested and so many people are more willing to say, like, yes, I have a therapist or yes, I'm considering it. Um, whereas, you know, I think I can think about even our college days. I don't think that was a topic any of us were talking Not about as friends <laughs> and in that sort of thing. So the fact that it's so much more in our faces in a way that is not invasive. Like, I, th- I don't think people are as afraid. I think people are much more willing to, you know, share their struggles, but also like their triumphs. Once they did decide to seek help, how great it was for them. Um, and you see that among your everyday people to the fact that now we have athletes and celebrities, you know, talking about um, how therapy has helped them. And so I think just being able to be, um, kind of celebratory about that is pretty cool because the hope is that that keeps going. Um, or at least that's yeah. my hope as, as a, a person working Definitely. in the field. So yes. That that's awesome because, and it's great to hear that 
that has translated over into the actual care because it is something that I've seen, you know, become, I guess, kind of more trendy mm-hmm. on social media where people are okay with saying those sort of things. And it's great to hear that it's actually translating over and people are actually seeking that care and okay with saying, hey, this is what um, I do. Not that you have to get into the depths of your personal experiences or why you're there, but being okay with it. We share everything else. We share that we go to any other kind of doctor yep. or have other appointments. Um, so I I love to hear that that's something that has truly translated over. Now, specifically amongst Black people, mm-hmm. amongst our people, have you seen the same type of trend? Because we know amongst, you know, family, mm-hmm. yep. you know, you don't do that. Or you just accept, oh, that's just crazy, Uncle Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. You just accept that. But no one really tries to deal with the issues. How have you seen um, a change, if any, yeah. amongst the Black community as it relates to mental health? Yeah, I do think we've seen improvement there as well. So, you know, I think as somebody who in school was studying this. My family was like, what are you going to school for? And why? And you know, like, what, is, what, does right. that, what does that look like? Because like you said, in, in the, from the cultural perspective, you know, you don't share intimate details about your life or your family life with strangers, or you don't, right. um, you know, sort of try to give too much thought to that, that crazy uncle Joe and how he acts like right. uncle Joe, that's how he is. Instead of questioning, like, could Uncle Joe be better? Like, is there something that we can right. do to help him? And so you do see a little bit more um, now. And again, I think some of that is because of, you know, uh, symbols of the Black community coming out and saying that they, you know, utilize that sort of support. Um, and I just think that now you have more clinicians of color, more Black folks going into the field. And so now it feels less... Um, uncomfortable because now you are able to sit across by choice um, from somebody Mm -hmm. who looks like you. And that doesn't mean we're the same type of black person, but that I can at least know that we have the shared experience, you know, here as, as black Americans, you know, to be able to say, okay, there's some stuff that's also like external to what might be going on in my life that just connects us from the day we sit down, you know, to have that first session. So um, you definitely see improvement there as well, which makes me so happy because, like I said, my family was like, okay, what is this? Like, you know, uh, so. You got to work with crazy people. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. That's exactly how it was. It's like, oh, okay, so that's what you're doing. Like, okay, you're going to sit there with your glasses and your clipboard and like, that's it. And and, and it's like, I mean, it's not quite like that at all. Um, and so, right. it's so it's been great to even see that, like, within my family or my circle of friends, people who you know, now are like, I guess that is okay. Or like you said earlier, now it's it's on their, te- their checklist of health options, like not just medical mm-hmm. or the dentist or your gynecologist mm-hmm. or whoever. It's like, I also have my therapist, you know, and that, right. that's great for, for all of us. That's awesome. You, you mentioned an, an exceptional point that really hit home with me about having a therapist who looks like you, who can relate to some things because my therapist is a black woman. And I can't imagine with some of the things that I've had to work through with her over the last few years, not having that shared experience, because there are so many things that were undertones or things that I didn't have to explain that she either not us made assumptions about because we're both black women, but would inquire about or bring as, you know, points of 
interest, like, hey, so what about this? And is this something that you've experienced? Those are things that I didn't have to mention Mm -hmm. that she already, they were on her radar and she brought up. And, you know, that that's a great point that really hit home with me because I've seen it in my own care with her that, you know, if it, if she wasn't a black woman, it weren't, there wouldn't be certain conversations we would have. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt yeah. like you used a great word there. It's the inquiry part of it. So, you know, as a therapist, it's my job to hear what you're saying and then take that and sort of help almost show it back to you. And like there are parts of, you know, an experience as as a black woman or a black male or whatever, where, you know, only maybe somebody else who identifies very closely to that can know the right things to ask about the experience that you're sharing in that session. You know, there are pieces that, uh, that go unsaid just because, you know, you don't necessarily know to ask that if that's not how you identify. And that's not to say right. that a white clinician could not understand externally what could be happening for a person of color, for a black person, but um, it's different. It's, it's, it's a lived, yeah. it's a shared lived experience. And so I love what mm-hmm. you said about it's, it's the inquiry part of it. It's knowing the right mm-hmm. questions to ask. It's knowing the right moments to either back off from because you also understand or to dig in deeper um, because you understand right. based on culture and identity. Yeah. It's great point. So as someone who works with student athletes, mm-hmm. um, I can, only imagine that their pressures and stressors are to a different level than just what an average student may face in college. I know I had my own share of issues and challenges in undergrad, but I had close friends of mine that played basketball and I saw some of the things that they would experience in addition to the classroom. And a lot of times, Um, as a society, when it comes to athletes in general, we look at them as privileged beings and like, oh, well, you got all this handed to you. And, oh, all you have to do is play this sport. And, oh, well, all you have to do is dribble a ball or, you know, that's all you have to do. But um, it's so much more than that. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what it's like to help manage and work through those challenges with the student athletes at LSU. Yeah, it makes it makes my days very interesting every day um, because of sort of the things you see is a lot of those things you mentioned, you know, them not only facing the, the normal challenges of being, you know, an undergrad student pursuing a degree in an education. But then mm-hmm. on top of that, you have practice, you have games, you have tournaments you have to travel to, you have lifts in the morning, you got to be on a certain diet to maintain your weight. Like, I mean, there's all these things that for, you know, I I definitely, I stopped my sport after high school. I did not have the courage (laughs) or probably the stamina of these, like, you know, folks that they have to sort of say, like, I have to be so disciplined in all life areas while still trying to grow into the human beings that they are, because they're still 18, 19, 20 years old trying to figure out Life, And so I think people forget that part um, about it. And, mm-hmm. and we do take for granted sometimes the, the thought that like, yes, they have opportunities um, that are different than, you know, your non-student athletes that might be on campus, um, but they work really hard for those. And they definitely face a right. lot of um, struggles that are, are different than, you know, the, the normal student. And, and so then and when you think about student athletes at um, certain institutions where there's a larger school, D1, D2, like their popularity of the program or a certain sport, 
you know, these kids are like on the the nightly news or on social right. media, people are like tearing in because they yeah. missed the catch or they, you know, whatever, turn the ball over. Like it's, it is a whole different world than any of us could understand. And so it definitely makes day-to-day working on mental health with them a, a, a unique experience, even more so different than just, you know, my normal client population because of the fact that there's all these layers there. And um, and they appreciate it. They understand that it comes with some unique mm-hmm. things. And, and the fact that many of them are much more open to seeking support, because just like we were talking about earlier with stigma, being an athlete and then asking for help are usually not two things that come together. You know, you're taught right. to persevere, be tough, be strong, push through. Um, that's, doesn't equate most times with mental health or with help seeking. Um, and so the fact that now so many more athletes are again, open and just being, um, promotional towards like pushing mental health as a priority, it definitely has changed the landscape for what does it look like to really be, um, at a high level of performance. And that's the thing that I push for our student athletes or athletes as a whole. It's like, if you want to be the best version of yourself on the court, field, in the pool, wherever, you you also have to be well. You have to be able to have the balance. And so incorporating that into their like routines, I think, has made a, a easier shift than we would have saw a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, think that is so essential that that's, that's even part of the program. Um and it's obvious you're doing a great job with it because I saw that you were recently honored by the LSU volleyball team. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that moment? Because I always think about the people who give support to others and, you know, usually can't play kind of a, a background role that are usually kind of, oh, we're always there in the background supporting others. Um, but what, was that moment like, cause that was kind of a role reversal. It was, it was definitely tough to be in the spotlight. Cause that is not um, my favorite thing. And to actually have to be on the court and uh, wave to the fan, like that is not, <laughs> it, it was a very, uh, it was surreal, but it was, it was definitely a heartwarming moment. And afterwards I told coach Fran and the girls, like, you know, that, that for me was a, a, a peak moment in my career. Um, I think as a, I did, I played volleyball, so I have a passion for that in general, but then just knowing that the, the work that we do, we have, we are here long nights or on the weekends, we're on call basically 24 seven and accessible in a way that a normal therapist isn't to a client. And so I think knowing that mm-hmm. somebody feels like, you know, because of the work that we do, that they feel like they can you know, pursue their dreams and, and be the best that they can be. Um, that was a heartwarming moment. I told them, I was like, I am not a crier, but like y'all are about to get me right here. And and that it was so, it was unexpected. I never would have, you know, expected that because that's not why we get into this field. We're, we're taught that it's mm-hmm. a lot of times a pretty thankless job, knowing that we get to benefit by seeing the changes in our clients, seeing their lives get better, seeing them pursue their goals and their dreams and make it happen. And so to have that moment was, it was definitely special. I will never forget that. Um, just as, as someone who, you know, really always hopes that I'm doing the right thing and you hope that you are, um, to get those yeah. small reminders like that, or that really wasn't a small reminder. That was a, to me, a huge reminder. I hope I, <laughs> I hope I never have to get on the court again, but, but, <laughs> but I, but I, I loved every second of it. And like, you know, just for the girls to to do that and to pick me and for the coaching staff to pick me, that felt um, 
that felt like a, a moment, like a highlight of my my life for sure. Uh, that's awesome. And like I said, it's definitely evident that you're doing a great job with supporting these student athletes and helping them manage the um, all that comes with, you know, being both a student, which is already something that's hard in yeah. itself, but then the athlete portion of it, because you have so many people that are fans of these programs that are really ruthless. Yes. Very ruthless. <laughs> like I can remember in undergrad when um our kicker, Sismatia, he often missed kicks. Mm-hmm. And I remember Sismatia and Ricks, both of them getting, I think it was their car and their house TP'd yeah. in undergrad. Yeah. And now that I think <laughs> back on it, I'm like, <laughs> like, is that what we're doing? What really? Does that feel like <laughs> that is horrible. Yeah. But we weren't focused on that. I mean, I didn't participate in it, but we were so frustrated that you missed the kick and mm-hmm. you're a horrible quarterback. Mm-hmm. But they're the same age as us. Yep. And this entire football program is in their hands. Mm-hmm. And then you have adults that are doing it. Like, thankfully, social media wasn't, wasn't what, it, what was. it is now. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> like, we just had the Facebook. The Facebook. Not Facebook right. The Facebook. <laughs> and you had to have your college email right. to use it. <laughs> Like MySpace was a thing, but yep. it wasn't the same. It wasn't way. the same, Mm-mm. and that's all we had. That was it. Yep, that was it. That was it. So I can't imagine now. You know, LSU as huge of an athletic program that is. Yeah. You know, to have those athletes dealing with these challenges and cr- constant criticism. You know, you have regular everyday people that don't like when someone on their comment, you know, has an antagonistic view. Mm-hmm. Just one little comment versus you're the talk of ESPN and you're on Sports Center right. and you know you're you're a meme now and you're viral yeah. because of something horrible. Mm-hmm. And then supporting them in those moments, like, I'm grateful that this is something that, you know, the school takes part in. Is that the case for all programs? Is that something that is everywhere or is that just something unique to LSU? Um, Do student athletes get this type of support everywhere? That's a great question. So it's evolving. Um, So prior, like we were saying, 10 years ago or 15 plus now, that's crazy. That won't be crazy. I almost (laughs) didn't want to say that on air. Uh, Um, But the fact that, you know, I I don't necessarily know, like when we were at Florida State that, you know, that they had someone like that. Um, You have seen programs now um, evolve to where it has become almost essential to have, you know, staff like ours. We're a team of three, our staff here. And and, um, I don't know what I would do without them because it's 500 athletes. Like there's no way that I could maintain that by myself. And for a few months I had to until I hired my staff. And that was it was a lot. And so, wow. um, so I don't know how some of the programs who, you know, whether they are short on staff or don't have someone like how you're able to make sure that you are keeping the pulse when so much more exposure um, is the case right now for our student athletes and at, again, athletes as a whole. But um, 
you do see now a push more through athletics departments for them to at least have one person. So you are seeing that at, you know, your D1, D2 schools, your HBCUs, like that's something I'm super passionate about knowing that like resource wise, they need this just as much. And and it's being able to understand those pressures are there as well. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's still evolving. Um, and, and again, it's like our earlier conversation about the prioritization of mental health being just as important as physical health. So, you know, my push is always for, if I'm talking to somebody who's out of school and they don't have it, I'm like, how many athletic trainers do you have? Cause if something right. goes wrong with somebody's ankle, foot, wrist, whatever uh-huh. you got, you got what you need. So what about one person, you know, even if sometimes yeah. that's resources needed to contract with like your university counseling center and have those people, you know, serve as liaison so that a few hours out of the week, athletes at least can walk in or, or reach out to them, you know, so there's, there's ways to make it happen. So you, you are seeing programs who are, you know, they talk about funding and all that and I get it and COVID has changed stuff and all that too, but there's, there's always a way where there's a will, there's a way. And so I think if, yeah. if you don't have it, you know, it's definitely something to consider because of the fact that, there are unique needs there um, that you just have to, you can't ignore. Um, and then like we just were talking about on top of the general, just their age group developmentally and what's, what's accessible to them and, and who's accessible to them. Uh, I don't know. We would have survived having Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. like I still don't have a Twitter like all these years later. And so, so, yeah. you know, it's just, it's funny to sort of see how people, um, dismissed like their needs thinking because like you were saying earlier, like because they're athletes, they, they're so privileged and they have all these things, but there are certain things that they don't have. And that's because the university itself has to make it a priority. Or you're seeing it at the pro level now too. A lot of our pro teams now are hiring full-time staff people to um, be their mental health practitioners. One of my close and dear friends now works for the Denver Broncos. She started at Auburn um, as in the same role. And then now, you know, you're seeing that at the pro level, the NBA is doing it, the NFL is doing it, the major league soccer is doing it. Like, it's just all of, um, it's just a a cool evolution to watch because people are now seeing that this is just as essential as your other medical staff. So it's been great. That that's incredible to see that because, um, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, I will sometimes I'm, also a huge sports fan. So I'll get frustrated. Then I'll sometimes think about, I'm like, man, okay. So how does he feel afterwards? Especially seeing things all over social media, you know, it's like, man, that, that must suck when he's at home by himself, you know, in the room by himself or in the car by himself. And that's, you know, even when we've seen all these stories over the years of athletes who have dealt with, so many negative or harmful behaviors to themselves or others. And it's like, wow, okay. All of that stuff was just built in and held in over the years. And they had no one to, you know, release it to or help him through it or even identify it. So it's great to hear that that's now something that's, you know, transitioning and progressing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I hope that that becomes more of a trend and a focus because we all need it. But I I definitely have a soft spot for student athletes yeah. because just seeing things in undergrad with my friends mm-hmm. and, you know, becoming more educated about mental health in it as a whole um, is extremely necessary. 
Yeah. Um, so as someone who just may be a regular everyday person who might be considering therapy, um, what would be some ways that you would help us to find a therapist? Mm-hmm. What would be your tips for finding a therapist for just the regular everyday person? Yeah, I think the first is probably the most simple, which is what we all do when we are looking for a recommendation is ask a friend. Like if you have a friend that you know is in therapy and they enjoy that experience, it's not saying you have to see their therapist um, because sometimes we get a little selfish and we don't, I have a therapist too. And I'm like, <laughs> You can't see her. I need my appointment slot, you know, Um, but but I do understand that, you know, for us as 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 human beings, like our connection is usually through hearing about experiences. And so I always tell people first, like first thing first, if you know someone who's already engaged in therapy, ask them about their therapist or ask them, you know, do they have other people working at that clinic or whatever, just so that you can kind of get a general experience. If you don't know anyone who's like already engaged in therapy, then, you know, we go to our our friend Google in the sense, but there's some things you should look for. Right. So, you know, making sure that as you are are searching you, it's okay to use terms. You can type in black therapist, female therapist, um, you know, whatever the supporting sort of network you might need. Um, that you're looking for based on the issue that you have marriage therapist, you know, I mean, those, those are okay terms to put out there. And so you can put that and then put the city that you're in and you will, it will produce a list. Now the tough part is going through maybe websites and those sort of things. And there's only so much you can gather from a a well curated site versus like what it feels like to sit in a room with them. But again, being able to see like how much intention have they put into their website to, you know, show Mm -hmm. you, bits of who they are, you know, that's one of the things that I, uh, I took a lot of time to make sure that people saw, yes, I'm a professional at this, but like, I'm a human being. So I'm, my pictures on my site are not going to be me looking somber or whatever. Cause I want you to leave feeling <laughs> great. Right. Um, and sometimes you don't get that vibe from, from there. And, and that's not to say that's the only way you make a decision, but, um, it's definitely something to consider. So, you know, your, your, the issue that you have in the city that you're in, Um, Plus the word therapist is a great way just through a quick Google search and then looking there. Then the last resource that I really like um, is Psychology Today. So it's a a website. It's been around for a while, um, but I don't know that people know how much information is housed on those. And those of us who are therapists who have profiles on there, you take a lot of time to set those up as well because you want to be able to give people a clear picture of like, who you are, you know, what's your focus, what's kind of your modality of, of therapy, right? Are you only somebody who will do in-person therapy or have you, you know, changed because of either COVID or prior to COVID to also offering telehealth, which has been um, super, you know, popular these days, but it was before as well, emerging in the, in the counseling world for sure. And so um, psychology today is great because you can also just like on Google, put in a city, but then you can also fill, you can use filters. So say you um, want a female therapist who understands, you know, spirituality as well as, um, you know, they identify as black. And so you can like use sort of the things that matter to you um, to make Mm -hmm. that experience less scary because that's the, that's the thing. Most people are worried about that first session. And that's what I always tell people. If you can get through the first one, you have mastered therapy, (laughs) Um, you know, because the first one, it's just the hardest. It's hard for any of us to be that vulnerable with somebody we don't know first, but then to be vulnerable about things that we're already uncomfortable talking about. So, um, you know, it's, it, it is definitely a process though. And like, 
you can take your time with it, but to also feel empowered to like take control of that process. So if you're on their website and you see that they offer, you know, a free consultation, take them up on it, like pick up the phone or set up through email and like see the vibe that you get from, you know, you guys just having the general conversation about what you're looking for, you know, that a lot can come from those conversation. First impressions are lasting. And so I think being able to know that there are a lot of resources there, there's even, you know, certain questions in that consult you can ask, like, what's their modality? What do, what's their um, theoretical orientation? Like, how do you think therapy should be? Are you more person-centered? Are you more structural and, and, and instructional? And so um, you want to know that that fits with your style. So, you know, I think yeah. there's a couple of different ways, but um, whatever gives you sort of the pause to feel like you can know that there's at least some connection you potentially could have with that person before you sit in the room with them, you know, the better. That's one of the things that has, you know, totally transformed, I think, my clinical approaches when it comes to working with athletes. I work with some pro athletes virtually and like they know mm-hmm. that at least I understand the mind of an athlete. They may not know anything else we have in common. We may not, they might be right. male and I'm a female and like it might, that all could be totally different. But at the core, they're like, well, if nothing else, she understands my schedule is crazy and like I have to produce. And so at the core, right. that start that could be the start to our conversation that leads to better rapport building and that sort of thing. So um yeah, ask friends, use Mr. Google, like my auntie says. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so and psychology today again is a it's a great resource because there's I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of therapists on there of different kinds, because they're you know, a psychologist is different than a professional counselor, which is different than a social worker. And and but they all can get you on the same path and journey, but their approach might be different. And you might want to, you might care about that a little bit more than, than most people. So, um, use your resources and then again, use the, use your phone, call them, see what you see, the vibe that you get. That's good. That's good. And I don't know if you guys heard that she also gave some tips for your first appointment, Mm -hmm. some things to ask and bring up. So yes, that's, um, great information. Cause I, I know I was afraid when, I um, had my first appointment with my current therapist. I was like, okay, I don't know. Like, do I need to prepare what I'm going to say? I I don't know how this goes. Like, and I'm someone that likes to be prepared. And, you know, it's like everything has to be with, right? I got a whole plan. And it's like, no, Ty, you don't run the therapy session. That's not how that goes. It's true. It's true. Yep. It's true. Though I, for my first like therapy session as a therapist, I was nervous. Like, what do I like? Do I share all of that the first time? Do I let her know this? And I was even nervous. Like, do I tell her I'm a therapist? Like, do I not tell her that? Um, and I don't think my first session I did. I waited a little bit. Um, it didn't come up. And so because, but I was I was in my head about that. So I can only imagine somebody who is totally like in a place of a fear about it, you know, there's Mm -hmm. so much that could keep you from making that first step. And so I just encourage people make the first step, talk about what you, you know, want to talk about. I promise you, there's nothing probably that you can tell your therapist that's going to shock or scare them. Um, You know, we've, we've learned how to handle that sort of stuff. So I think just go in as yourself and, and, and do what you can and then let them do the heavy lifting part of like making you feel comfortable and that sort of thing. That's what, that's what we go to school for too. So just go and be you. That's good. Go and be you. That that's good. Put that on shirt. <laughs> okay. And, then, <laughs> and 
<laughs> Lastly, uh, what are some tips that you would give us for stress management? This past year, almost a year to date, yeah. COVID drastically changed the world and stress became in the forefront of all of our minds and experiences. And um, some of us managed it better than others. But what are some tips that you would give us for managing stress, even outside of seeing a therapist? Because I definitely believe everybody should see a therapist. Mm -hmm. But outside of um, seeing a therapist, what are some things that you would tell us to do? Yeah, I think one, just having that level of awareness of when you're not feeling like your best self, right? And sometimes I don't know that that happens until something drastic like COVID. For some people, it's, it's you know, they kind of operate on a, a, a will and they just keep going and going and they don't really pay attention to like the subtle changes that might be, you know, being more irritable or you're noticing you're sleeping a lot more or a lot less or you're eating a lot more or a lot mm. less. And we might sometimes attribute those to um, things that are more related to like, I don't know, like changes in our body, which is, it's a part of it too. But sometimes it's really about, you know, mentally you might be struggling. And so it's just that, that first line That's of good. awareness, um, and understanding, you know, who, who you are and who you're maybe not today and why, mm -hmm. um, why that might be. Um, so one, just identifying what's changed. And then I think as you think about, um, ways to sort of tackle stress and, and issues around stress um, to really be able to think about, you know, what does it look like for you to make sure you're incorporating true self-care into your weekly routine? And so I know that's hard for a lot of us, especially those of us who we work, we have side hustles, we have families to take care of. It's hard, but I think really being intentional about, you know, understanding and identifying like specific time that is devoted to you um, as a person taking care of yourself and and knowing mm -hmm. what those are um, and them not being just like, I think a lot of times people will say self-care and they think, oh, that's me going to get my nails done or taking a bubble bath or mm -hmm. that sort of thing, which those are great. And, and that's not to say you shouldn't do them, but they can, those can become more like self-indulgent. They're just sort of like these activities mm -hmm. that you do, but are you meaningfully restoring yourself? Are you meaningfully thinking about the ways in which you um, are existing in the world? Are there relationships you need to evaluate? Are there um, boundaries you need to set? That's also self-care because that's protecting you in right. ways that um, are underneath the surface. So really making sure you're incorporating um, you know, self-care into your weekly routine. If you can do something small every day, that would be great. But I don't know if any of us get there. I, I don't even know if I do that. But I think if you can find ways to make sure you are intentional about your self-care, then that is also a critical piece. Um, and then I think just lastly, making sure that you uh, give yourself kind of room to grow, to know that the person that we, the persons that we all were a year ago, should look a little different, whether that's sort of an improvement mm -hmm. over how we think, how we handle stress, how we, you know, navigate being apart from people that we care about. Um, you should always have sort of this space and this optimism around growing and changing and, and pushing forward. Um, and if you can have that mindset, even on tough days um, when, you know, you kind of don't want to have to, um, it's nice to say, you know what, I think today is going to be the day where I try to at least look at things from a brighter side, or I want to see and, and maybe measure and evaluate and assess 
the ways I've grown. And so um, having that sort of mindset, and we call that both mindfulness, but also like more of a, a strengths-based approach um, to life. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you sort of that that toughness that we we like to think is, is being tough, but it really is being kind to yourself. Um, those are the things that I think too are great to sort of manage stress because life's always going to throw us curveballs. A year ago, we would have never thought any of us who are here now would be living through a pandemic. We felt like that's like a thing of the right. past and now it right. has become our reality. And so how do you not allow that to be something that totally disrupts your mindset, um, your way of living, but then to also bounce back um, because there was nothing we could do about it. And now we've, we've mm-hmm. lived through, you know, the maybe what we hope is the worst of it over this last year, but there are other <laughs> right. life things we all experienced that, you know, a year later, we hope that we're better um, because of. So those are things that I would consider. Those are things that I think are simple and easy to do each and every day um, and gives you that freedom to, to, to take control again over your mental health and your well-being. Great tips. Great, great, great tips. All right, Dr. Poole, I hate to end this great conversation, but we got to wrap it up because I know you have people to help. You've helped so many of us today, but you have so many um, you know, clients to get to today. So I just want to wrap it up with the way I end all of my interviews. And that is with a fill in the blank exercise. I'll make the following statements and then you fill in the blank with either one word or phrase, but no explanations, just the phrases. And okay. That's I'm it. nervous. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first one, I enjoy um, reading. Mm-hmm. I hate uh, being embarrassed, feeling embarrassed, like walking out on a Ooh. a, a, a volleyball yes. court and having to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I hate the same thing. I I wish. I wish um, that we, you know, all would see mental health as something that's a priority for all of us. I wish, I wish that for everybody. That's good. I fear <sighs> that we will be stuck inside this summer again. <laughs> uh, and I hope not, but I fear, I do fear that. That is, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we will, but. <laughs> uh. I love. I love family and being able to spend quality time with people that that matter. Yeah, I miss. I miss. I miss being like in Tallahassee and like those days, um, college days. Yeah. The older I get, I recognize how special that time was. Yeah, agreed. I want. I want to continue to get to do this type of work. I definitely feel like it's my passion. So definitely wanted to keep doing that. Okay. I think, I think this has been so fun. <laughs> oh, yay. I'm glad you this been so great. This is so cool. <laughs> I think this has been great. <laughs> great. I can, I can, see myself doing this type of work for a very long time um, and and think I have really found my, my true passion and calling. Awesome. And lastly, I am. I am excited about what's still ahead um, for us as a whole, 
both us getting outdoors, us with mental health and yeah. wellness and um, the changing world of, of sports for sure. And, and how we can use that to continue to unite us in, in ways we couldn't imagine. Awesome. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Let us know, um, let people know how they can get in contact with you or if they're in your area and want to seek um, treatment. Let Just let us know how we can connect. Yeah, with any mental health and wellness needs that you might have or just questions about, even if it's pointing you in the right direction in the city that you're in, um, the best way to reach us is through our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com or on social media, both Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, we're at Go Small Talk Counseling, and we spell Go here in Louisiana, G-E-A-U-X. Um, we're unique yes. like that. Um, so on Instagram, which is where we're probably the most, um, if you're looking to even get mental health tips, generally speaking, that's a great way just to follow us there. Um, and then in, email us uh, at info at smalltalkcounseling.com, whether that's, uh, again, to point you in the right direction of a therapist in your area, um, or if you're interested in having more detailed discussions about what this might look like for yourself or your team, um, we can help. So reach out to us. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Today's inspirational segment is dedicated to the wonderful Taraji P. Henson. Now, I know many of you will probably just think of her as the phenomenal actress that we all know and love from Empire to Baby Boys, all of her roles that she has played that we are just etched, just have them etched in our memories. However, in fitting with today's episode um, is actually dedicated to her and her organization, the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation. And this is an organization that she started because her father suffered from mental illness after his tour that he served in Vietnam. And she really wanted to become an advocate for being fully well, being mentally well, and for those that suffer in silence and to remove the stigma. And she started this organization in 2018 and has done so much work behind just eradicating the stigma and especially amongst the African-American community. And she did something really amazing last year when COVID hit, where she um, was trying to assist as many people as she could with getting therapy uh, when COVID first hit, it was that was one of the biggest challenges was um, a lot of people were suffering in silence and, you know, losing their income, not being able to leave, not having physical touch, not having interactions with other people. And that's something that really um, not only made those who were suffering suffer even more, but even those that have never had challenges before found themselves seeking slipping into depression. So salute to her today. She used her uses her platform um, to silence the shame. And I encourage all of us to whatever way that we can, whether you need to seek help, don't be ashamed to do so. Um, and nothing's wrong with you. Like I have said in previous episodes before, 
you know, please, you have a doctor. And even we talked about it in this one. You have a primary care doctor. There's nothing wrong with having a therapist. It's all about your health. Don't let anyone tell you that, you know, because you feel like life isn't fair, life is weighing you down, and you need to talk to someone that something's wrong with you. Not at all. Something's right with you, the fact that you realize, hey, I need to take a moment to go do that. So be well physically, mentally, spiritually. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show and tune in again next week. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Share with a friend or family member and follow us on social media at Removing the Cake. Check out our website at www.removingthecake.com. Whatever superhero cape you have to pick up and wear today, I hope it's a bit lighter and your smile's a little brighter. See you next week.